The Coen Brothers Odyssey, the number one roommate, and ironically, they did make a never-ending story part two this week on 30 2010. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to 302010, the Later Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, breaking down three decades across a single week. What does that mean? Well, we'll be talking about January 29th through February 4th in the year 1991. 2001 and 2011, so three decades. It'll help you figure out what you were doing, what you were into, who you were into. Pretty neat to to remember where you were in accordance with these uh, movie, TV, (laughs) music, and video game release dates. And so very much more. Hi, I'm one of yours, Chris Antista. I'm Diana Goodman, and this does not fempute. It's me, Sarah, and I have a personal announcement. I have started watching Supernatural. Why? (laughs) What is with you? It's come to this, y'all. You cannot hang on to your young age by watching CW shows. That is not how this works. I just felt like it was time to embark on a 37-season <laughs> mystical X-Files, basically. She's also announcing she's... She, she, yeah. she, you're the Scrooge McDuck of free time. I, I can do anything. Uh, <laughs> holy shit. Uh, that sounds not terrible. I, I read a recap when the show, the show just ended, right? Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good. I, I'm reminded my um, favorite episode of Buffy is coming up in 302010, mm-hmm. and it's not a show we bring up very often. But I was definitely there, and probably old enough to be made fun of by my peers for watching it. So I should back off. Um, yeah. I, look, don't say don't don't sign off on what I already agreed to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's thirty twenty ten for you. There will be argumentativeness. There's probably a better catchphrase in there somewhere. <laughs> I got to say, the show is we is, fight. is, is, is executive <laughs> produced by Jason Walsh and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. Thank you so much to Jason. The people like him. Uh, new stuff head your way this week. We got a big old bonus time uh, bonus episode up there. Talking about some uh, good and sad stuff, so good. So give that a listen. Let's start where we always do. Nineteen ninety one, January 29th through February fourth. We are out of January, and the the releases I will not say in nineteen ninety one get better, but they get definitely notable. I saw a lot of these, mm-hmm. and it it, it makes yeah. me angry just to think about it now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have fewer. It's weird that in ninety one we have fewer holdovers for nineteen ninety going into award season, where we still have them in in twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. For a while, I think the next couple of weeks there's still a couple left, and then then finally we get into the real the real 2011 stuff. I mean, we're leading off with what was the movie I was the most excited to see there day one. Um, and and because you were a little kid and was, kids are dumb. Well, come on, the first never ending story is amazing. It is it's a great timeless film. Yeah, yeah, it's got it works for people of all ages. Mm-hmm. Never ending story two. Is is the fucking worst. It is so bad. It is unbelievably bad. And I, I like even tried to without watching it look into the reasons why. I think the original writer had been suing the movie for so long that th- that's why this took forever. What is this like a like a uh, seven years since the original Neverending Story? About oh, wow. yeah, that sounds right. Nineteen eighty four, nineteen maybe nineteen eighty six. So it could have been just five years. But it's a long time to put a sequel into the works, especially when you have this giant. German studio overseas holding on to these huge sets. Um, and this, yeah. yeah, and it's hard for kids, I think, yeah. to hold on to a sequel for that you long. You lost a whole Especially, demographic of children, 
in the 90s yeah, yeah when you don't have access to home as much home entertainment options so you can't like you know rewatch finding nemo every you know a couple times a year until finding dory finally shows up like that's not the situation we have in 91 yeah it was it was maybe hbo was like the the, the savior of this because it was it was run yeah. a lot on hbo before other channels started broadcasting movies with commercials in them but diverting story it was it was kind of a household name i remember me i spent the night with uh, some friends and we all went to go see this and we all walked out like what the hell was that it, like cuz i i don't i, I it was supposedly adapting the last half of Neverending Story, a book I've never read and don't care to, but it was, you realize, even as a little kid walking out of it, the magic was a story being read by a young child who at the end got to incorporate certain elements of the story into So this movie just slams like, I'm afraid to take dives off the high dive. I'll just go to Fantasia. I'm Bastion. Like, (laughs) it's so fucking weird. And everybody's recast. Nobody held on. I think there's like one minor guy held on. And we don't have the quality of Wolfgang Peterson here. No. Not even close. Um, Sadly, George Miller. No, not that one. Um, The knockoff George Miller. The real George Miller. He could have made something. He could have made something grand. Yeah. I, I just, there's a bird character that's in your face all the time. In like the exact opposite of the kind of kids movie that Neverending Story was. Something with real heart and like not afra- afraid to hold your face in front of bleak shit. Whereas you basically get the Sesame Street characters like, oh, Bastion, I'm falling, help me. That was close. Like it sucks. It sucks so bad. I want to say it's more important to me that it is before this was Warner Brothers first Bugs Bunny cartoon in almost 50 years. I oh. literally saw it today because for some reason I have a free preview of Boomerang and it's been shoved into the regular Looney Tunes despite being, I think, 56 years removed from the last huh. Warner Brothers theatrical Looney Tunes short. And it's called Box Office Bunny and you've probably seen it too because they tend to treat it just like it's any other Looney Tunes now. But it's Bugs Bunny hassling Elmer Fudd in a movie theater and it's five minutes instead of seven. So it's, it feels odd. But it's, mm. it's one of the few widescreen Looney Tunes shorts. It's out there. But that's to me, that is far more important. Um, yeah, directed by Daryl Van Kurt, who would go on to direct the Space Jam, the Space oh. Jam commercials, um, not, oh. the, not <laughs> the, the animation in the commercials. But that, that is where Bugs Bunny is headed. It's not theatrical shorts. Also out this week, Queen's Logic with Kevin Bacon, Linda Fiorentino, John Malkovich, and Joe Montaigne. I, that'd be hilarious if this is the movie I saw week one. Queen's Logic. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. No, this this sounds like a grittier St. Elmo's fire in that it's just about like young single guys out in the world, their laughs, their lives, their loves. It's hard to figure out what you're doing. Are you growing up? I don't know what I want. Also, John Malkovich is here as my gay friend. Okay. Oh, finally. <laughs> it's like, I... Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like, except for maybe Joe Mantania, like the rest of the cast is all people like the, you know, their younger up and coming stuff. And then like John Malkovich just sticks out like a sore thumb in this. And it's like, is this about him murdering everybody? (laughs) Uh, No? Okay. Never mind. That's kind of, that's actually what happens in the Queen's Gambit. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Oh, no. Right. Yeah. 30 years later. No chess in it. I was really expecting some chess, but Queen's the borough, not Queen's. Uh, I get it. Um, Okay. If you think Neverending Story 2 was traumatizing, here we have Meet the Applegates. I thought we might have talked about this. Did we? Um, I mean, because this is when it finally came. I forget why we might have talked about it in reference to Heather's, because this is the same director's follow up to Heather's, which was kind of an indie hit. And. 
I don't know why he's making this because I don't know if this is just like a, well, now you got a blank check. You can do what you want, but this is still low budget, but it's so fucking weird that it's amazing. This movie exists. Yeah. It's awesome to watch it. It truly scarred me deeply because I was, I was introduced to this movie from being advertised in comic books and Disney adventures. And I, I'm going to guess someone's like, yeah, well, this guy has some outlandish ideas. We'll, we'll rein him in by the time the movie comes out. And you see some of that. But then there's like some really difficult sex scenes and some body horror that is in this this movie masquerading as a family comedy. It is. I was not ready for it when I was 11. So no. like this really fucked me up, this film. Yeah. Oh, Meet the Applegates is about uh, these giant sentient cockroaches from South America who inhabit human bodies, kind of like in Men in Black. And mm. their plan is to blow up a nuclear reactor to destroy all humanity so to save be... the giant cockroaches. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Ed Begley Jr. and Stockard Channing play the parents of this family. Uh, and then, but their teenagers, like their teenagers rebel and like they start in sort of liking humans, but also not, you know, the uh, teenage the girl gets actually assaulted and knocked um, up with human sperm. It's like, why is this here? Why was this advertised in a Disney magazine? Holy shit. I <laughs> don't know. And like the son gets into weed, which makes like some of his cockroach features come out. And like, they smoke out the dog. Who's also like an insect. And, it, yeah, I mean, they're these giant horrific bug creatures hiding in human form, and it is very strange. And then Dabney Coleman shows up. He's like their leader, yeah, but rope. he's disguised as a woman because they don't understand humans very well. So he thinks he's passing, even though he's got a giant mustache and all. Huh. Uh, it is fucking strange. And yeah, it is marketed as like, this is the wackiest family you're ever going to see. And it's like, <laughs> they're bug monsters trying to kill us. Yeah, it's so it weird. It definitely sounds like you guys are describing a dream that you both sh- had yeah. at the yeah. same time. Like, when, whenever, that's what it sounds like. Whenever I get the chance, I go back and watch it. And it's like, this is not, this pulls too many punches to be a truly great dark comedy. But I do laugh that like, my parents were savvy enough to know, like, yeah, it's in his fucking magazines. He's, of course, this is okay for him, and it really was not. And but we were all a little baffled about that. But there's, I'm sure, there's a better movie in here somewhere, and a darker movie because mm. what they got away with showing is still baffling for how they marketed it. That's again, that's all I have because I'll still watch it if if it's ever on anywhere. And it does, it it does pop up nowadays with all these new streaming channels. Like it has a following, a cult following. Meet yeah. the Apple Gates. I feel like for a while, Comedy Central would run it, mm-hmm. and it would pop up there. And and it's like one of those where you. If you catch it starting in the middle, you are going to be very surprised because it seems like it's just sort of wacky comedy about mm-hmm. this like 50 style family in the modern world. Like it's Brady Bunch movie or something. Mm-hmm. And then the cockroach antenna come out and you're like, oh, God! <laughs> and, and, then, and then they, they at Weird. some point full cockroach again, it is in, like breaking out of the skin and everything. It has no business rated PG, whatever, because it's gross. It's real gross. Um, it's uh, scarring. It's rare that I see something I consider genuinely scarring, and I'm happy with it, and I'd love to see it again. <laughs> I, I would not love to see Laura San Giacomo, Gina Rollins, Danny Aiello, Holly Hunter, Richard Dreyfuss, and Once Around. I'm afraid to excite oh, you any more than I did already. But you dirty sex goddess. Sam, <laughs> who's the guy? Who is this incredibly well-dressed guy? My new boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, come on, who's he really? I, of course, was born in the 40s. That's why I have such intense passions. God! What do you think? I think you should take it slow. <laughs> what? How? What? Is that? Is, is the joke <laughs> the age difference? Because I just saw, like, 
Holly Hunter and Richard Dreyfus together. It, yes. It, it looked I mean, like yes, it looked like a joke. candy girl dating a, a professor in the 30s. Like what <laughs> what is the their age difference must be insane. Yeah, they, they I mean the joke is they have a pretty significant age difference. They're also from very different backgrounds and that Holly Hunter comes from this very close-knit Italian family from Boston and you know they're they're pretty reserved, all considering. And she meets Richard Dreyfus, who's this like really outlandish, incredibly outgoing guy uh, who just sweeps her off her feet. And like they have a good relationship, but he can't relate to her family. Her family just like cannot fucking deal with this guy. Huh. He's just too much. And it's it's a real sweet movie. Uh, so directed by Lasse Hallstrom, who we just talked about doing Shock a lot. Like this is right oh, in ah. his wheelhouse of like eccentric but sweet. Mm-hmm. And it it's sort of a it does sort of ramble a bit of like this family and like their problems and why can't they get along and and then like the sister's cheating on her husband and it, it ends up being like pretty sweet and moving and it's it's a really sort of underrated like mumblecore for grownups maybe you want to call it or like. <laughs> Moonstruck toned down, maybe. <laughs> like I don't know these descriptors I'm into. Yeah, like I don't know really where like how to describe it, except that like it's it's very enjoyable. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's like it's a grown-up pill for grown-ups, but not I'm... like rabbit hole or anything where it's like super depressing. It's actually very light and funny. Cool. Ooh. And how would we go about describing the next movie, which I want to say was probably seen by almost everyone listening i mean i never went out of my way to watch andy mcdowell and gerard depardieu in green card but it was on hbo like every afternoon mm. my entire life yeah. green card everyone they thought they'd never have to see each other again good luck with your life and good luck with your composing until i'm with the investigation department of the ins the what the immigration service the government changed their plan let him move into my apartment i can't believe you're saying that but if marrying a stranger doesn't shock you then letting him move in spend a couple of nights sleeping on the sofa well that shouldn't shock you either now they have to live together for better or for worse you don't like me do you we don't have to like each other. We just have to be married. You snore and your manners are atrocious. Oh, you think that's important? You're a snob. You're a slob. You're overweight. You're disgusting. This is, this is my introduction to a green card marriage, which I would go on to see constantly in my life ever since. Uh, yeah, pretty common thing nowadays, sadly. Well, in really? your real life you've seen? Or yeah. just in, as a part Yeah, in San Francisco, yes. Yes, tons oh. of people yeah. anchoring themselves in San Francisco through marriage, yes. Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. you know, no, I've seen a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Green Card, I had never seen this, and I thought, oh, I know what this is. It's a rom-com. They, you know, get married for for his green card, and mm-hmm. I, I figured the whole movie would be him trying to persuade her, like... Mm-hmm. Please, you know, please, they're going to deport me. You have to. And it's like, you know, wacky hijinks. And then they fall in love. And I didn't realize, oh, it starts with them getting married. I really like that about it. It cuts out a lot of the stuff that it like you just we just didn't need to see and gets more to right to the meat. I liked it. Yeah, I I like that a lot. And it's like there's a version of this that's the wedding planner where it is just so cheap and wacky schmacky. And this is like. It takes its time on a lot of scenes. There's still a lot of humor. It's still really funny and, and does get romantic by the end. But, you know, it's 
it's like again it's like a grown-up pill for grown-ups just like mm. once around where it's like this is not for teenage girls as much this is for like grown-ass people to enjoy because it's directed and written this time by peter weir yeah. uh who i only just realized what like a couple weeks ago is, has an I'm amazing tired. track record yeah and it's like never made a bad movie made like 10 movies and then said i'm out never making it yeah it's really understated in all the right ways. Mm -hmm. And it also does a really good job of doing that thing where it doesn't really explain everything and it doesn't have to. And it just lets you be like, think about like, oh, I wonder why that's it. Because what is her motivation for marrying him? Has something mm -hmm. to do with her being able to move into an apartment? I guess maybe because they wouldn't rent it to her if she was a single woman. Ew, right. Gross. It's a, it's yeah. about tricking a co-op board into thinking she's married and therefore more stable so she can have this like ridiculous awesome apartment. Which is so funny because, I mean, he's marrying her for a green card and he and she's marrying him for a greenhouse. Oh. Yeah. Like, really, because she's like a horticulturalist, and part of the whole appeal of the apartment is that she has this gorgeous, like, rooftop garden with a greenhouse and an atrium, and it looks amazing. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, and but it's so understated, and it's really interesting because I mean, I think now we kind of see Gerard Depardieu as this like red nose, obnoxious. Did he, didn't he get in trouble for being saying or doing? something gross oh well there was that time he peed on a plane that was pretty fun <laughs> oh okay i wasn't sure if it was like more, anything more than just like drunken weirdness well, but, drunken weirdness and like i think now he's a russian citizen probably for tax right, reasons and it's like right. yeah it seems that seems only up and up it's, it's funny too because he's a very unlikely romantic lead to me, yeah. mm -hmm. I don't know if women at the time are like, ooh la la, but I do have to say there is something appealing about like a big, sweaty, barrel chested mm -hmm. Frenchman being like, ha ha ha, like, <laughs> I brought you brie and stuff. Like, I was like, you know what? I kind of get it, honestly. Stroke I mean, my Muppet hair. I... <laughs> and then at the end, though, when they're being tender, and he like holds up his like giant ham hock hands <laughs> to her face, and, like, it's like, so big compared to like her little tiny face it's so funny to me yeah even the, even the poster i think highlights their height difference like how much bigger Gerard... giant he would go on to one of friends france is like greatest actors and he would go on to play like the fattest character in comics ever eventually oh bliss yep and... yep the, that's true i it's weird because i feel like he's had so much trouble translating into english but he mm -hmm. does really well here it's like oh Wait, so he could do it if if things were right? Because uh, everything else I've seen in English language is just kind of made me go, oh. Yeah. But then yeah. watch him something French, and it's like, oh, oh, okay, got it now. Maybe mm. he just doesn't really translate very well. So weird. Mm. That's so weird. Strange. Yeah, yeah a lot of yeah. good apartment porn. As far mm. as like, if you like seeing the interior, I love seeing interiors of apartments during that time period because it's like brings nostalgia to me and then it also i kind of i miss that like look of the early 90s late 80s where things mm. are like kind of cluttered but starting to get like a little bit more spare you, you miss Sam, i just watched a movie that's going to come up later this year that i really loved that's like beautiful apartment porn. you really miss a lady out. missing ladies in overalls with <laughs> Yes, yeah. I'm into it. Yeah, it's on HBO Max if you wanted to watch. Mm -hmm. yep. Shit, got to move into television because for this little boy, it's one of the most exciting weeks 
ever. This this I did not look into this. I assume Sarah had it covered because she had a clip in here. Oh yeah. The it's it's not the tractor tractor incident. It's Seinfeld's the pony remark. The pony remark. One of my favorite pieces of dialogue from Seinfeld. And I did not realize it came up so early in the Seinfeld run, but um, they're at a dinner party for one of Jerry's older relatives and just, you know, doing that thing where you just are trying to make conversation with like an older out of touch relative that you don't really talk to. So you're just saying stuff and just doesn't come out right. (laughs) So did you hear Claire's getting married? Yeah, yeah. I hear the fella owns a couple racehorses, you know, trotters, like at Yonkers. Horses. They're like big riding dogs. What about ponies, huh? What kind of abnormal animal is that? And those kids who had their own ponies. I know. I hated those kids. In fact, I hate anyone that ever had a pony when they were growing up. I had a pony. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't, uh really mean a pony per se when i was a little girl in poland we all had pony my sister had pony my cousin had pony so what's wrong with that nothing nothing at all i was just merely expressing we some coffee who's having coffee <laughs> it was it was like a 99 percent shot no one would have noticed that sentence at all goddamn polish visitors <laughs> so good. and the best too is visually like Poor Elaine, I guess, has been dragged along to this dinner, and she's having to sit at, like, a table that's, like, three inches shorter than everyone else, so she's just, like, really <laughs> she's tiny a, the whole She's time. at the kids' extension table, so <laughs> she, <laughs> she looks like Jerry's ventriloquist dummy. Pretty much, uh, yeah. Seinfeld, but, Seinfeld excels at old people, making fun of old people. It's true. That is a hundred. But... In a loving way, yeah. most of the time. I mean, Uncle Leo is one of my. They're, they're far more terrified of their parents than I am of mine. They're like, I don't want to offend my parents in any way. Like, I do not care. Mom, Dad, leave. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy my parents yeah. a Cadillac. Never. What? How rich was Jerry? How lucrative was the stand up business in 1991? Pretty good, I guess. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Boom time, baby. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is again a great episode. We'll talk about Seinfeld a lot. You know, so it's even better. Uh, is this like the fourth episode of The Simpsons second season? And it is their first major flashback with the way we was. Oh, right. A lot of things solidified in this episode, including how Marge met Homer. And The Simpsons has had a bit of a rough time, given that it's been on for thirty years. And every time they want to have a realistic flashback, they I think they've started to ignore this, but for longtime Simpsons fans, this w- Marge and Homer were in high school in 1974. That is just the way it was, in the way we was. Uh, the only I, look, I just started dating someone whose whole family's favorite movie is the way we were. So I've, <laughs> I've really, ju- I just watched okay. that. It has nothing to do with this at all. Not not even slightly. I mean, it's about a, a romance between two unlikely people. No, it's it's about like the well the romance and falling apart of that romance, and this is about mm. about but about like selfish career driven people. These are literal teenagers in the seventies who get together and stay together forever. It's I think it's just a pun and a good one, mm. uh, the way we was. But you get to see Marge and Homer in high school. I I swear The Simpsons was my gateway to a ton of culture. I'd never heard a Carpenter song or anything by the Steve Miller band before, but. Wow. Uh, the Carpenters, Why Do Birds? Is that the name of the song? Yeah. It becomes Why Do Birds Suddenly Appear Every Time. Every time. <laughs> 
You Get in! <laughs> it, it would become Marge and Homer's official theme song. It would appear in numerous episodes throughout the series, even the movie. And, and it introduces a character who will become incredibly important. Artie Ziff, voiced by John yeah. Lovitz. The person Marge decides to go to prom with later regrets it because Artie um, got a little molesty. And um, his his apology is something I say not after molesting anyone, but it's it's a funny way to to apologize. Marge, I would appreciate it if you didn't tell anybody about my busy hand. Not so much for myself, but I am so respected it would damage the town to hear it. Good night. Yeah, right. <laughs> Would damage the town. That's so funny. <laughs> um, and Artie would go on to play this awesome foil, who will, as The Simpson goes on, he appears in other flashbacks, but he also appears even in Treehouse of Horror. I think he basically plays the Biff Tannen character in Back to the Future 2. But Artie's supposed to represent the wealthy person that Marge decided to tell him to fuck off to go for love and the sweet guy rather than the uh, promising uh, hopeful. And he will reemerge, I think, 17 more times in the Simpsons throughout the <laughs> Simpsons' 30 years. Ziffcore will become a thing. Uh, but, oh, even more importantly, the character introduced in this episode, whether or not you care about Marge and Homer being together and their, their love being uh, potentially uh, <laughs> under attack, you know you love Rainier Woolcastle and this character. Our next movie is McBain. Another shoot him up, push him through the plate glass window, splatter fest from the Hollywood cookie cutter. Here's a typically brainless scene. Senator Mendoza is one of the most respected citizens in this state, McBain. And yet you ran his limo off a cliff, broke the necks of three of his bodyguards, and drove a bus to his front door? But Captain, I have proof that he's head of an international drug cartel. I don't want to hear it, McBain. You're out of here. That makes two of us. <laughs> Punched his own captain out of a window. Uh, Mendoza! Mendoza! What's funnier than McBain, goddammit? There, there really, really should be a real McBain movie at some point, and Arnold should jump at the chance to be in it. Uh, technically, there is a movie called McBain. I know. It's I... Christopher Walken, and it's not oh, what true. you think it is. Right. I, well, uh, uh, the Simpsons lore says if you string all the scenes together, you'll get a full McBain movie if you combine clips of mm-hmm. McBain. And, like, no, you. it's just a parody of tropes, so... You just think it's sequentially as it's not sequentially following anything. It just that's how stupid the McBain series and uh, sliced alone movies were back then. How about that? Not necessarily. Yeah. Arnold made some good Terminator movies in there. Speaking of things I really like, Mystery Science Theater three thousand ends its second season with Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. What's once one of the hardest to find episodes ever? Um, yep, they reclaim those Godzilla rights. You couldn't get did. your paws on it. It was because because Toho had no issue. Sorry, this I don't want to go off on too much of a rant here. But uh, Toho, the owner of Godzilla, most of us discovered Godzilla movies just like in the middle of the afternoon or a creature feature at night. They were all over the place. And the way Mystery Science Theater 3000 works is like, well, if you sell us the rights to air your movie on this channel, there's no reason we can't have this guy and three robots make fun of your movie as long as we have the rights to the movie. And Toho was one of the only people like, we never said you could show the movie like this. Yank. Never again. And it was on DVD for like a week before Toho found out that they officially licensed everything. And Toho said, no, our feelings are very hurt and uh, we will sue you. And But this is uh, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster um, based on the movie. Yeah, the Sea Monster. I forget how to pronounce it. 
interesting. Mothra's huh. in it. It's not as good as um, Godzilla vs. Megalon, which introduces Jet Jaguar. Um, <laughs> Jet, Jet, Jet Jaguar. Ultraman and Jack Nicholson had a baby. But this is this. It, it, it's very clear. Um, I went and watched the end of this. They would have said something if they thought their show was in jeopardy, and it very clearly isn't. And when the show returns in a few months, it will solidify the set for, I would say, the majority of the episodes. The show looks the same for a long time. This is the end of the purple set and the green gizmonic wheel. Um, mm-hmm. The show will look more like you remember it, and that's because the unprecedented deal they sign. It's like four. they are renewed for four seasons of 24 episodes. No small feat. But now remember the show is two hours. Comedy Central was for a while one eighth Mystery Science Theater three thousand <laughs> all day. And that's even that's like yep. playing it light. It was more like one fifth. It was on a lot, and nobody was complaining. It filled a lot of airtime on a fledgling channel. Anywho, exactly. But, but I, this is the last episode that they are on the Comedy Channel, right. not Comedy Central. Right. This comedy is channel. we're getting to the point where Comedy Channel and Ha merged to create Comedy Central. But MST3K I, might be the only holdover just because it does yeah. fill so much time and it's cheap. Yeah, I think other than the stand-up specials and clips, because they're mm-hmm. basically now now Comedy Central will be owned by the people who own HBO. So they basically have a lock on uncensored stand-up comedy over the last couple, like the last two decades. So it, it, it's an inter- it becomes an interesting channel. I fall in love with Comedy Central during this period. I don't recognize it now. <laughs> it's, uh, I believe I... Saw an episode, the last episode of Tosh.0 is he, uh, I'm the only one who's not a 90s animated character on this channel anymore as they bring back Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead and Daria to join South Park. Mystery yeah, Science. where are the repeats of TV's bloopers and practical jokes, damn it. Yeah, I need real. to see Dick Clark and Eggmate Man. I want to watch. I need to see reruns of Make Me Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch paid programming until soap airs back to back at seven in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> which it did for a very long time it, it's it's the only the, i remember the thing to to beat mst on comedy central and south park had they had a very small overlap with south park it was abfab oh yeah once abfab came out comedy central was like we have a new star sit back mst um but it's a big night for tv movies on is this on the same night of the third of feb all on the same night <laughs> competing against Amongst themselves. Oh, goodness. Um, we have on NBC, Chris Cooper, Marsha, Homosexual Harden, Cloris Leachman, and Brian Dennehy. And uh, in broad daylight. His victims were picked on a whim. You want to fight me, Wes? I don't know whether you're drunk or altogether out of your mind or just plain ridiculous. Systematically terrorized. You got a cute house. Be a shame to see it burning down some night, huh? Marshall, he's out there again. Wait, just keep down now. There's never been any trouble between me and you. Let's not be starting any. This is not what I thought it was. Is is Ryan Denny so, just murdering people uh, around this town, just tormenting them? This is like a super weird story and i first learned about this story through drunk history actually oh wow but it's about (laughs) a real person named ken McElroy, who was this guy adult man who bullied and terrorized an entire town in missouri wow and like physically abused people and like shot people and stalked them and the whole town was like completely traumatized by this person and then one day 
in broad daylight, he's out and about like driving through town and someone shoots him and kills him. And the murder has never been solved. Oh, wow. And the whole, the whole town, I mean, and now I'm basing this off of what I (laughs) saw in drunk history, history, but Mm. apparently the whole town like kind of banded together and nobody would like. To Spider-Man to everything. We didn't see your face. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Pretty, Uh, um, pretty interesting though. Hell Yeah. I don't know. Let me, let me write that down. Future careers, Missouri bully. Uh, <laughs> there's an opening. <laughs> there's apparently. an opening. Yes, <laughs> for some time. Oh, also on ABC, competing TV movie: David Strathairn, Dean Stockwell, Rosanna Arquette, and Gary Cole, and Son of the Morning Star. Don't be greedy, Custer. Wait for us. <laughs> no, I won't. His life was an enigma. His death made him a legend. This is the story behind the legend, known as Custer's Last Stand. Gary Cole is the one they called Son of the Morning Star. Sunday. Never heard that before in my life. Son of the Morning Star. I'm sure your dad watched it. I, you think so? He was more of a Shogun guy. But he liked Native American stuff. And That's this is the guy who played Wind in His Hair from Dances with oh. Wolf playing, playing Crazy Horse, which that's pretty cool. I want him to kill Custer like 80 times. No, he, probably, he did give me a book about Crazy Horse, so I, you probably would have watched this, yes. Well, and let me let me let me look back in the time machine. Was there there was a segment about it on NPR that week? Yes, he would have watched it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my girl or my sister was probably watching this movie. Oh, um, I was obsessed, obsessed. Uh, which I only know from a Simpsons joke. Not like that, Sarah, plain and tall. Ugh. So she's a <laughs> he's a she's a student at Springfield Elementary. Christopher Walken, Glenn Close, and Sarah, plain and tall. She came from a house by the sea. A while back, I placed an advertisement in the newspaper. An advertisement? What for? To answer the promise of a new life. Someone to help us out. Another housekeeper? No, for a wife. You mean a mother? In a land far from all she'd ever known. My wife died six years ago. I hope you won't expect it's all right, Mr. Whitten. I didn't come for love. Okay, weird. That's what this movie's about. <laughs> I was 100%. So it's based on a children's novel mm-hmm. that won all the awards that you can win for a children's book. And it's written by Patricia McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being turned into a whole series of books that she wrote. And I was 100% obsessed with it in the way that like little kids are obsessed with everything that's their na- about their name. Like everything that has their name, uh... you know, you're like really into even though I this should have been called Sarah Plain and Small, and then it definitely would be written about me. <laughs> Lame la- la- and small. That's actually way better. But yeah, I watched this movie so many times when I was like able to rent it finally from the blockbuster. We might have watched it in school, but it's super weird movie for children right. like and and book. Like literally Christopher Walken orders her a mail order wife basically to come and like care for his children in like the Midwest and the plains. And she's like, can't leave. You answered the, you answered the message. Don't doubt my veracity. You're my mother now. (laughs) Like just like looking at his children in that clip, like 
that was the age I remember this book being given to us. Yes. <laughs> Why? Little mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. But it was also very romantic. I remember What's thinking it? that as a child <laughs> when I was five years old and reading it. But yeah, I oof. This was a big movie and book for me as a young kid for sure. I just remember them like talking about how she was like so like lithe that he could like put both of his hands and like around her waist basically like that like which that doesn't sound good but I don't know as a little (laughs) kid like oh he would like lift her up and twirl her around. Wow I remember reading that because yeah I remember talking about that with my sister and trying to do it to our bodies. Yeah exactly right it really like sticks in your bra. Yeah, I might have read this. I don't remember. It's too long ago. Um, wow. So where where does this rank versus Anna Green Gables for you then? God, this oh, is because I see a lot of similarities. Yeah. No, I was definitely a Sarah Plain and Tall. I was never really an Anna Green Gables. My sister was a mad Avonlea Green Gables fan. So I was. Um, I did watch a lot of Avonlea, but I never read Anna Green Gables. That was not my thing. I was more of a Little thing. House on the Prairie reader. Uh, I read the books. I never watched the show. Um, oh, I, I could talk about children's fiction of forever. I remember obviously. sitting there when our one TV household is this the oh, please be the episode of the kids in the hall and it please be the there's Bruce McCullough. Okay, moment of enjoyment <laughs> and then another hour of boredom. Ugh, one TV household. You don't want to be there again, kids. But I think the most important thing about Sarah Planet Hall is that this apparently, as far as I can tell, is the last time the CBS special presentation bumper runs. The particular one oh. that for me always <laughs> means peanuts. Yep. Or Garfield, or it's been off and on my text message tone for the last 10 years. (laughs) It's been parodied everywhere. It's a great t-shirt. But yeah, just a neon swoop of special coming towards you with some horns at the end. um, Letting you know the regular programming is happening on your grandmama's network. Two two channels over. Mm -mm. I... I also have to say, too, the breakdown for this night of TV movies is perfect per channel. Because on NBC, you have, like, this sexy, not sexy, but, like, the kind, you know, it's like a thriller. It's mm-hmm. scary. Murders are happening. It's kind of sorted. And then on ABC, you have, like, a learning thing, sort of. You know, it's, like, historical. The flags of our CBS, fathers. <laughs> CBS, you have, like, your mom shit slash old lady little girls like me. Okay. Well, <laughs> so then it breaks down perfectly. Where do you break down? You have you actually have some book information in here. I do. I yeah. Yeah, this is yeah, important. I think we both found some book info. Yeah, the on the first, the firm by John Grisham is published. Uh, totally excellent. His so the second this... novel. Okay, but this is the first one that he. Before this, he published A Time to Kill, but it really wasn't. It like he wasn't really a huge household name until the firm. Right, firm really got. And then there's in. there's a John Grisham movie every year, Pelican Brief, yeah. The Clients. I think I'm going in order here, and then A Time to Kill. I think so. Yes, he deserves right. the time. I hope it burns in yeah. hell. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, John Grisham is just unbelievably prolific. He's still writing novels that are great, by the way. I just read Camino Island a couple years ago, and I loved it. And he's just one of our best you know i just i i kind of stopped reading him for a while because i was like i read them all i kind of got burned out i was like i get it kind of doing the same thing over and over again and then i picked another one up after like a decade i was like damn he still got it he's just great fiction novel Mm -hmm. like read it in two days so good Mm -hmm. and the firm is great i kind of want to reread it honestly 
I remember reading that uh, probably a couple of years after this. When I was like 14 or something and just being like, holy shit, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like so engaged. I'm like, and then what happened? Mm-hmm. And then, ooh, legal maneuver. Yeah, if yeah. You're, so I think a lot of kids get into reading adult books through genre books, like sci-fi, fantasy yeah. mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But if that's not your jam and you're, you know, preteen or teen, the firm is, or Grisham novels are really a great place to start mm-hmm. because it really, it's super fast paced, great characters, nothing super scary happens. So if you're not into like horror or, you know, sci-fi or fantasy, that kind of stuff, this is kind of the place to start. So if you have like kids in your life that you really want to get them back on the reading train and, and you're looking for something like that, this is a good place yeah, to would, put up. I would recommend putting your pre-K kid, pre, yeah. you put your pre-K kids on Janet Ivanovich because it's all about numbers, baby. Five alive! Followed by <laughs> seven up. <laughs> That's um, true. Yeah, anytime I've gotten into like a bad reading slump where I haven't read for a couple weeks, kind of priming the pump with like a, a John Grisham because they do move so fast. And there's so much fun to read is like a good way to get you back into the habit. Hmm. Fucking lovely. There is not a lot of games to speak of this week, but um, music, we got some. <laughs> the first time by Surface is stale, number one. We got new releases, uh, Divinals, uh, self-titled Doubt by uh, Jessica Jones, Mo Ritmo yep. by Gerardo. <laughs> Jesus, Jones. Jesus, Jesus Jones. Jesus Jones. Yeah. Uh, Jessica just... Jones is... Fights Not the purple person. man. I get it. Um, um, Mo, <laughs> Mo Ritmo. We got Mo Ritmo by Gerardo. Um, when you're a boy yeah, by Susanna Hoff. Rico, suave. I was just talking about. Never mind. I was talking. My, my old friend texted me this Weird Al song I hadn't heard in thirty years. I'm like that's off. That's the song right before the Rico Suave one that taught a little small town boy what Mexican food was before he could ever go to a Mexican restaurant. The Rico Suave parody. He just describes Mexican foods. Eh, tostadas. It's a bad lyric, but it's in there. Uncle Uncle Anesthesia by the Screaming Trees is also out this week. And is that the is that what the Divinals big song is? I touch myself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. I, don't, I don't support this at I all. I know. I wanted to play Rico Suave. Maybe <laughs> I'll just play it next week or something. But it, there's no getting away from I touch myself and people lost their minds. It's crazy. When the song came out, people were so offended. And then, like, the lead singer of the Divinals was like, it doesn't mean literally. It's like in a spiritual way. And it's like, uh, he listened to the sure. song. It's like, uh, no, we all know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. But my. I don't want my Meanwhile, kid. Meanwhile, is over here like, hi guys. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, every 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 guy band is over here turning Japanese and having with their pictures of Lily and having no problem with it. And man, we'll close that with I touch myself with the vinyls, but stay right there because 2001 gets even sillier. streak is broken by something that may stick around for even longer you, you know what this is is it uh is it is it dmx it wasn't him is it santana it wasn't him either it's shaggy baby 
Shaggy denying things that he's very clearly caught in this very song. It was a song that was made to be memed. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, Shaggy, it wasn't me. Um, I saw on Twitter today, actually, I actually like screenshot it so I remember to talk about it that last week, 20 years ago, last week, The Wedding Planner was released, which we talked about, and was number one at the box office. And the same week, J Lo hit number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart, being the only person to have ever had a number one movie and a number one album at the oh. same time. It's not even Dang. like a Barbara Streisand or um, According Barbara Streisand. According to what I saw, <laughs> I mean, who knows, but it sounds incredibly plausible to me. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about like any movie Madonna made with music, the movie shit the bed and the song did right. well. Good point. Yeah. So we played It Wasn't Me before when the album came out, which I should explain because we had a whole bunch of people early this week saying, it's a 10th anniversary of Party Rock Anthem. How come you guys didn't talk about Party Rock Anthem? And it's because that's when the single came out. But then the album doesn't come out till June. So we have to pick one. Do we go with singles or do we go with albums? Because if we do both, it gets incredibly confusing. So we go with album. Good. All right. So that explains it. But I also wanted to play it again, A, because it's a fun song. And B, because you know what stops independent women? Shitty men. <laughs> so true. So 11, true. Weeks, 11 weeks on the, at number one. Oh, that's so tragic. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Hey, look, but it's like I always say, believe men. He said he didn't do it. And he described <laughs> all the ways that he didn't do it. He, but believe I saw men. him on the counter. Believe men. <laughs> Even saw him, saw him on camera. Yeah. <laughs> she got my fingerprints. <laughs> she read my erotic novel. It wasn't... Um, <laughs> Uh, Shaggy joins other new releases out January 29th to the 4th in 2001. Welcome to 2001. Songs like Dog of the Sand by Frank Black or albums. Frank Black and the Catholics and more by Vitamin C. A little bit of news to bring you to 2001. Canada launches its first hip-hop radio station. Ooh. And somewhere a little baby Drake. I was going to say, Drake was like, finally, my sad boy music can... <laughs> can start. Yeah, I am. I am not. Gets up out of that Degrassi wheelchair. <laughs> I'm. I'm not the best person to describe to you the rise of uh, hip hop on radio, but I was there, and it was interesting because it it seemed like in the early '90s, like oh shit, like this is just straight pop, and it you know, as a little kid, it was all. Things like MC Hammer was all I wanted to hear, and it was sharing. It was mostly dominating pop. The pop station I listened to in the early 90s, got taken over by grunge completely. And mm -hmm. all the hip-hop got, like, brushed over to largely, like, the black radio stations because we lost our pop stations. So it was very strange. Like, I, I desperately... I, I would desperately like to hear a Dr. Dre song here, but there is some fucking soul song from, like, the mid-'70s that it had to contend with. So the idea that Canada in 2001 is, like, launching a... No, fuck that. All hip-hop station... Good on Canada because it was it was really difficult to navigate if you were a hip hop fan in my town. Yeah, it's like, well, there's a rap station, but I mean, rap is such a that's such a large genre too. I mm -hmm. mean, it's like when you have a rock station that you've got seventy years worth of music you can play, and a lot of it doesn't go together. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, but so no, finally, finally. I want to hear Snoop Dogg, oh, look, but first, first I got to hear, and you woo, 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 and you woo, woo, woo. <laughs> that's, that's what I remember. <laughs> Movies 2001, Wedding Planner, still number one at the box office. Oh, boy. Um, 
This movie, Vincent Cassell, Jeremy Renier, uh, Mark Dacacacacacacas, and Samuel Labayan, and uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, no trailer for this no, French classic. It's in French. Uh, but this, Diana, if you remember, somebody smartly tried to market it as the Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon of France, essentially. Yes. And yeah, okay. it had mainstream, uh, like a mainstream, like, MTV late night TV commercial push. And it was cool, but it is, I've tried to watch it again. It is incomprehensibly long. It's like it's, three fucking hours. It's not that long. Yes, but yeah, it is. Brotherhood of the Wolf. I finally, I did watch it pretty recently, actually. Very, very lovely Blu ray transfer. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is really weird because it is kind of a kung fu movie, mm -hmm. but it's also a period mystery and it's also an adaptation of hound of the baskervilles wow but it's about this like french fancy pants investigator and his native american buddy in like 18th century france looking for this giant wolf that keeps killing people mm -hmm. and uh vincent cassell is there so you know oh he did it because he's always a creep of course <laughs> we established this we're talking about black swan exactly. always a creep mm -hmm. and but he's like but everyone's like it's it's pretty neat though and there are some pretty cool kung fu fights and there's like this band of i don't know what they are they're like cult members they're mm -hmm. like where did these guys come from out of nowhere a bunch of chicks run up with like hatchets and start kung fuing dudes and you're like okay <laughs> badass it's pretty badass it's yeah i mean it ends up being a lot of fun it could be more kung fu or more mystery like they're kind of cramming everybody together but it ends up being pretty fun to watch i remember it being very long but i i mean if you were a, a guy like me kind of like with dvd leading the charge of taking all of his <laughs> economic gains uh mm -hmm. this was pushed at you pretty fucking hard and i think people my age probably have a little buried memory of brotherhood of the wolf because yeah. um yeah it got reviewed kind of decently and it, it was one of those not shitting on crouching tiger because that was something a little different but like a uh, very much style over substance and very cool a very cool looking film um yeah. i don't love it though melina monica bellucci i can't say the same for that because i've never seen it but monica bellucci well, bringing herself yeah, uh, into the world yeah we've got uh well it's a giuseppe tornatore movie which he made cinema paradiso and he he goes with a genre i like to call sun dappled poverty Yes. Because <laughs> uh, this is about uh, like a poor kid in the 40s in Italy and like how he feels for this one lady who's like an outcast in town. And yeah, you know, there's coming of age, there's heartwarmingness, but also everyone is poor and there's a lot of scenes in town squares. Mm -hmm. yeah. This, I feel like, was shoved down my throat because the cover art is indelible. I just feel like I saw it everywhere. I don't know if it had like a real hard marketing push or maybe someone at my blockbuster was just really horny for that cover of their <laughs> of this lady like adjusting her T-strap shoe. But I feel like I saw this all over the place. Well, Monica Bellucci is I mean, yeah, uh, like one of history's greatest smoke shows. Of course. I mean, Come on. Besides the fact she's an amazing actress, too. She's also a great actress. She's not mm -hmm. just gorgeous, but she's also extremely gorgeous. Mm. And uh, um, also out this week, Catherine Heichel, Mary Shelton, Marley Shelton, David Borneas, Bones, uh, and Denise Richards in Valentine. Mm. Oof. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> I watched this movie. Oh, no. For the show. I was, it's, there are a lot of movies out this week to talk about. I was like, sure, we'll throw this one on. This one looks 
terrible and it is it's very bad <laughs> but it's kind of fun i mean it's not as fun as dracula 2000 but it's getting it's approaching that territory yeah i have a bunch of reviews that like look this is you know a totally unaware 80s style slasher movie mm-hmm. but it's not even bad enough to be like good bad right and i was like oh that's a bummer it's it's in a no man's land of yeah, not bad enough to be good bad, but not smart enough to be scream. So it's just in this like valley of just no. terribleness yes. in the middle. Sam and I watched it. We were like, definitely a movie you can watch with your phone out at the same time. But you know, it's very very two thousand one. Um, mm. with the and speaking of smoke shows, I mean, I just love Denise Richards so much, and she's just <laughs> smoking up the screen, just gorgeous. But yeah, it's really dumb. And I mean, the story could have been just tweaked a little bit and actually been better and made sense, but nobody cared to do that. Too bad, uh, because, um, man, it it leaves the week to be won by things like Freddie Prince Jr.'s and Monica Potter's Head Over Heels. Uh, This looks great. Uh, Speaking of 2001-ish. One look. Just moved into the neighborhood. Hi. And she fell. What are you doing Saturday? I bet he has some huge flaw. How do you know that? Because I'm attracted to him. I just wish I could freeze this moment and hold on to it. But there's more to him. He's Mr. Perfect. Than meets the eye. (laughs) Monica Potter. Tell me all your secrets. Freddie Prince Jr. I'm not really a secrets kind of guy. Head over heels. Rated PG-13. At theaters. Oh, that title's so generic. I couldn't... I really had to... I had to really look into which one are we talking about here? Is this, one, is this the one where he goes on the man show or the one with Kevin Smith? The, I've got no. some of these on cable. Oh. No, this is the one where she thinks it, it starts out like a rear window thing. She thinks she saw her hot neighbor kill someone, but it turns out he's like a secret agent and that was fake. And Freddie Prince Jr. is actually a secret agent. Um, isn't part of it though too that she's like has all these model roommates and she's right. like the ugly one? Yeah. Yeah, that's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be it'd be funnier if they weren't models and they were just to make Monica Potter look bland, they surround her (laughs) with supermodels that act like they're normal people and no one comments on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That'd be pretty funny, actually. Said it's just a major plot point. Yeah, she's the unattractive one. Give me a break. chocolate 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 that's what that trailer (laughs) sounded like to me but the next movie more than makes up for it because i don't know i don't want to call it the best coen brothers movie but it's like it has the most coen brothers characters in it that you gotta give it that um so many people showing up in one film to be awesome holly hunter john goodman michael bataluco charles derning my introduction to Tim Blake Nelson, um, yeah, I have to imagine too. most of yours, fucking Delmar, John Turturro, and Jorge Clooney, uh, oh brother, where art thou? Who elected you leader of this outfit? Well, Pete, I figured it should be the one with the capacity for abstract thought. Okay, I'm with you fellas. <laughs> to get to a hidden fortune, Ulysses Everett McGill and his friends will do anything. Hey, any boys, Smitty's. But they're about to get off on the wrong track. Damn, we're in a tight spot. We got four days to get to that treasure. Million dollar. Name point two. From the Coen Brothers, 
the Academy Award-winning creators of Fargo. Ain't you gonna introduce us, Pete? I've seen them first! Comes the movie critics are calling the best film of the year. Them sirens loved him up and turned him into a horny toad. Go to sleep, little baby. <laughs> oh. oh, there is so much to talk about. I don't know where to start. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can start with this is the first teaming of George Clooney and the Coen brothers. Okay. And they've made, I think, four movies together. I mean, he's like, he's a regular of theirs now. And they and, work and, together so well. Well, and, and I would, if you've seen the movies Clooney has directed, he has clearly studied the Coen brothers incredibly mm-hmm. well because it's yeah, all yep. of his movies are very common but from leatherheads to uh good night and good luck and especially confessions of a dangerous mind mm-hmm. very common that's that is a good point and this is also the coen brothers honoring their inspiration preston sturgis who they mm-hmm. the title is taken from sullivan's travels which is i i mean i'll mention it again i suppose in classic corner but uh if you want to understand the coen brothers you should watch preston sturgis movies he's sure. a very distinctive voice and uh, Sullivan's Travels is about a, a rich filmmaker who wants to make real movies about the real depression and the real people. And he goes out like trying to become a hobo and it, it falls apart pretty fast and it's really, really goofy. OK, there's that. Also, this is the first movie, you know, when we talked about traffic, mm-hmm. about the color grading. Yeah. Uh, oh, they man. make a big deal of like this is this movie is like all digital prose production. And that's ah. why it has a, that very distinctive golden look to it sepia it's like sepia yeah. it's all it's sepia toned and it's weird re-watching it there's a couple points where it like it kind of falters a little yes. bit yes it's like the only thing that dates <laughs> the movie is the is the digital color correction that they chose to do it's like mm-hmm. oh oh that shadow's not right now oh damn and also it's ulysses yeah, yeah. I, if you, I implore you, if you are a cool middle school teacher out there, and I know we have teachers listening to us, show the show this to your class. It will <laughs> blow their little baby brains. It's about the shortest way you could do it. So yeah, I mean, we all had to fucking read Ulysses in school at yeah. some point. And there, there's no better Cyclops than John hey, Goodman's Ulysses one eye. The Odyssey. Uh, it, this is supposed the to be the Odyssey. The Odyssey. Um, yeah, not James Joyce's. Lu- no, Ulysses. no, no, no. That, that, would, like, that would be that like would be. eight movies. And not, not yeah, the I Super Mario Odyssey one. either. Be- uh, but John Goodman's Cyclops. That's the best one. Yeah, but I just it makes me so happy. Like looking back at the films that George Clooney has made with the Coen brothers. Cause like he might be one of the best at mm-hmm. their particular dialogue because mm-hmm. he has this buckets of very wordy, but very stupid dialogue in this. <laughs> yes. And he is so good at it. And so obviously John Turturro, cause John Turturro works with them just constantly and so stuff. And it's like, it's like you're coming in up against a ringer, George, and you're killing it. And then Tim Blake Nelson in the middle as just the doofiest man who ever lived. Delmar, mm-hmm. well, that don't beat all. I and, love it. And Holly Hunter, too, is kind of made for the dialogue, I yep. think, as well. Yeah. Just yeah. completely, and, she's a pro. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about a couple guys break off a chain gang in, I believe, Mississippi? Mm-hmm. Alabama. I always forget. And... Uh, they go, they say that they're looking for treasure that George Clooney buried, but really he's trying to get back to his wife. He's about to remarry. And in the meantime, they record an album. They meet up with a bank robber. They get attacked by a cyclops. Uh, they meet not Robert Johnson. <laughs> they bust up a clan meeting, which, oh, theme of the episode. I forgot there's blackface involved and it's oh. super not offensive. Mm. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about some not offensive inadvertent blackface in the next segment. But uh yeah. 
yeah, no, they they put um, shoe polish on their faces so they can sneak around at night, not because they're in blackface. And then they end up at the clan meeting and they hide in the clan robes. And then when the robes get taken off and I feel like the whole thing is just a setup for the, the clansmen to yell, the colored guard is colored. <laughs> they also uh, encounter sirens. Yes. Yep, sirens. Go to sleep, yep. little baby. I yep. think that's probably my favorite scene, honestly. Yeah, I my, really love it. It's one of my favorite part. tracks on the soundtrack because I was that yeah. annoying person who listened to this like Grammy nominated soundtrack uh repeatedly. It was I just think the soundtrack like crushed at the Grammys. Yeah. It, it I mean that's like a whole other topic. The totally. soundtrack on this is phenomenal. I mean, it's all Americana roots music, real old timey stuff, and just I think it's T Bone Burnett put it all together oh, yeah. and does an amazing job and, and i have not it's gone like the songs I, fit the, the songs fit the scene and also are fun to listen to separately i have not gone to a single rustic museum and not heard big rock candy mountains since the release of this movie it's been 20 fucking years battle all around in a big canoe and big rock candy <laughs> mountain. uh yeah i've heard it fucking forever man but even that even that it, it could be this annoying that could be an annoying weight on oh brother but it's still a fucking lark it's a blast Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and... it's so so much fun. I just rewatched it, and you know, it was one of those like I remember that pretty well. I don't need to rewatch it, and then mm-hmm. I rewatch it, and I just end up with this big grin on my face like the yeah. whole time. Like so much of the dialogue is so funny, and everyone's acting is so cartoonish in a fun way. Nuts to that, Junior. We're mass communicating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. His mom, R U N N O F T. Oh, yeah. I remember watching this and it came out and not really getting it or getting into it. It was just not my jam. And then I rewatched it within the past year and completely fell in love like you said just kind of had a huge dopey smile on my face the whole time because it really and i know that one of the reasons i did not like it when i was younger is because a lot of times cohen brothers films kind of are chaotic in a way that gives me anxiety Uh, Mm. yes but that's why i was just about to affirm to you they to me they're always the kings of the second watch because once yes. you know where the story yeah. is going and you can rest easy a little bit that most of the time, not unless it's a serious man, not a lot of bad stuff is going to happen. Unless it's a serious <laughs> man where it's all bad stuff, you can just yeah. enjoy the ride. It's true. Yeah. And, the, and it's yes, the chaos gives me anxiety in this. And so, yeah, I do have to usually watch them, do a second watch where I enjoy them much more. Just like Quentin Tarantino movies, the dread in his mm. movies make the first watch for me always kind of an unpleasant watch and then the second watch Mm. much more enjoyable Mm. you know as time goes on it gets better and better so i love the coen brothers but it's i always approach every new thing with like a little trepidation like this is gonna make me feel weird the first time (laughs) that's that's why i I hate about like the only thing i can think they've done like this since is um hail caesar and the reviews Mm. of it were terrible because like oh, you're still walking in this to expect a story that goes somewhere. Rather than a bunch of your favorite actors giving voice to the silliest situations and dialogue you can possibly imagine. And when you watch that movie again with no expectations, like, this is great. And 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 I'm just sad the Coens haven't really gotten a chance to do something like this again. It, it, does it, it didn't seem, it, mm-hmm. it still doesn't seem particularly high budget. Just there's a ton of things and people in the cast. And to me, yeah. it's like it's like their greatest hits, just in terms of their character actors that they get to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, yeah, I mean, kind of like of all of their movies, if you had to distill 
one down of the the movie that's got all the Coening in it. Yeah, it's all might, the most Coenness in it. It, it might it's, be oh, this one. Yeah, it's got yeah all the stuff that has dialogue like like from Miller's Crossing. Um, mm. there, there's a couple scenes of Creeping Dread, like um, Barton Fink. Uh, <laughs> it's a Shaggy mm-hmm. Dog story in the end, like uh, Big Lebowski. John Goodman yeah. playing a guy who seems okay at the beginning, turns out bad at the end. Um, yeah, and he screams a lot, like screamed. raising Arizona. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so many funny accents and dialects. Yeah. Steven Root, there's another check. Yeah, yeah. Um, God damn, this is really great. It's my, it's this is uh, my pick of the episode. Con of Sarnas. course, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I would have said that even before I did a rewatch and then rewatching it. It's like, oh god damn, I'm hard pressed. To- I'm hard pressed to make this movie better. Like, what does yeah. this movie need to be better? Yeah, a, yeah, a sequel of <laughs> the Iliad. Like, let's do that. <laughs> but also streaming nowhere. Um, yeah, you can rent it. For rent. You can rent, you rent it. it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's included with nothing that you're subscribed to. Oh, but I yeah can't get enough of Oh Brother. I thought I thought it was a phase, but uh, I really <laughs> did dig it. Television of 2001, January 29th through Feb 4th. Oh, <laughs> Futurama, <laughs> Amazon women in the. <laughs> Amazon Women in the Mood, which is a a great I feel bad we have not been going through Futurama episodes like early Simpsons episodes. Me too. Um, Gotta do some research and rectify that because I love this one so much. It's the third season. Features a lot of snoo snoo. So warning if you got kids out there. Lots of crushed pelvises, but also a really good (laughs) uh, guest appearance by B. Arthur as the the fembot, the fem, what's it? Fem- femputer. Femputer, who the Amazonian women worship. Femputer, we bring offering of bath beads and scented soap. Your gift pleases Femputer. Femputer demands to know why there are men on her planet. It was an accident, ma'am. That does not Fempute. Femputer <laughs> will return after deciding your punishment. <laughs> Uh, I love this episode so much. Yeah. And Death by Snoo Snoo is something yeah. I think we all wanted to die of. Yeah. <laughs> That's just, I mean, there's no way to do it uh, uh, just audially. The, the visual of the men, like, happy, then, oh, no, then happy, it's, then, it, oh, no. It's all a bunch <laughs> like, of skeletons. Yeah, oh, no. How did the men die? Crush yeah. pelvis, and you see all these happy skeletons with their hands behind their back with <laughs> powdered pelvises. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, just be Arthur, man. Talk about... A lady who got it, you know, she just really got it. I just, oh, what a wonderful person. I actually, I sleep in bed with a like original drawing of B. Arthur that I bought at a, um, at a gallery hanging over my side of the bed. (laughs) Aww. And my computer's name is, my computer's name is Femputer. Oh, sweet. Mm. Yep. I mean, my previous one was Calculon, but this one had to be Femputer. (laughs) Of course. Oh, that it. makes perfect sense. This is a terrible way to segue into Power Rangers Time Force that is <laughs> also debuting this week. What? There's younger Fuck. people out there. And every every year at this point, they're rebooting uh, the Japanese Sentai series into a new American Power Rangers series. And Time Force, time traveling. I don't know anything about it. Because um, if you watched this at my age in 2001, you went on a watch list. Uh, <laughs> games of 2001. <laughs> Mega Man X5, right when I stopped caring about the X series, sadly. But uh, in Rayman 2, The Great Escape or Revolution comes to the PS2 in the form of Rayman Revolution. Let's close out of this segment with uh, Man of Constant Sorrow by the Soggy Bottom Boys. And very clearly not George Clooney singing. I've never... like no. it, it happens like that. Like, 
yeah, I'm George Clooney. I guess I'll start singing. This is not my voice in any way. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep, I believe his name is Dan Tyminski. Let's give him some credit. Uh, we'll be right back with 2011. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of January 29th through February 4th, yeah, a couple recommendations. Let's start with uh, this week is the 90th anniversary of Charlie Chaplin's City Lights. Which is a pretty good place to start with Charlie Chaplin, uh, especially of his silence. I mean, which one is his best film is probably somewhere between City Lights and Modern Times. I tend to like Modern Times because it has a lot of satire that still honestly applies you know so many years later but city lights is so so heartwarming and it's really like distilling down everything charlie chaplin does into one tiny 90 minute ball of a movie uh he stars as the tramp and there's this blind girl who sells flowers and he tries to get money together so she can get an operation but you know she thinks he's a millionaire at one point and and oh it's just you know lots of gags but also like the real real heartstring tuggy stuff going on so if you've never seen a full charlie chaplin film totally city lights great place to start and then as i mentioned talking about oh brother where art thou dig into some preston surges man he had an incredible run through the early 40s that's very influential especially for the coen brothers stuff like great mcginty lady eve is fucking hilarious sullivan's travels is probably his masterpiece and is still still holds up as making fun of hollywood even though it's been like 80 years and palm beach story i married a witch miracle morgan's creek hail the conquering hero that's just in four years and those are freaking great so sullivan's travels and lady eve i think would be the top of my list of really enjoyable to watch but also uh, sullivan's travels especially like at the end it's sort of like I get it, man. It's a movie about movies that makes you love movies. So that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with Bertney. Hold it against me. It's number one this week. Ten years after her Super Bowl performance? Oh, yeah. Is that movie, bitch? Mm-hmm. A song basically made for RuPaul's dance. Or RuPaul's <laughs> drag race. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, this is uh, January 29th through the 4th, 2011. We are in the year 2011. You are now ten years into the past. <laughs> and... Uh, we have new releases this week. No More Idols by Chase and Status. Rolling Blackouts by The Go Team. What did happen to The Go Team? Musica plus Alma plus Sexo by Ricky Martin. Barton Hollow by The Civil Wars. Live at Stubbs Volume 2 by uh, Modish Yahoo and Adelaide Adele 21. Damn. Boom. Yeah. Which, there was conflicting stuff on when this came out. Adele 21 might have come out last week. I had it for this week. I don't know what the description is, but... Holy crap, is this coming out the gate swinging, Adele? Mm-hmm. 
My God. We'll, um, we'll play like half the songs off of this at some point or another in the next year because there's so many of them hit the charts. But obviously, Rolling in the Deep, I think, is the first single, and it's just like, oh, shit! Yeah, it's, oof, it's a banger. Man, moving into the news of 2011, I wish I would have gotten a clip of this. It's just a little too long, but Gallagher walks off WTF with Mark Marone. Um, <laughs> this one, I remember listening to this just kind of shocked, agog. Yep. Yeah. They think it's funny, Mark. Yeah. Like you're making a bunch of homophobic jokes. But people like them, Mark. And he, I don't I don't even feel like he was attacking the content of the joke. It was just like, but these are like street jokes. These are what children say to make fun of, to, you know, make racist and homophobic show, jokes. And they somehow end up in your act. That that I thought was the, the truly scathing. And he had every right to walk off of this because I don't know. He'd ever asked it. Mark Maron is a is a comedian who had a at the time the first biggest podcast that interviewed solely comedians, and this was the first time it was like the most famous comedian that people listening didn't respect, but still wanted to hear a full interview with, and they were denied it. Somewhere in between Gallagher bragging about how many videos he sold and creating the Ninja Turtles, um, <laughs> which he is he is connected to somehow. I assure you, he got his first walk off. So I think it's like a twenty minute interview, right? As yeah. opposed to like a, a good 40 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Gallagher. Gallagher walked yeah. off. Which is so tough because so many of those older comedians, like they have really interesting stories, even if you don't respect Yakov Smirnov. Right. His story is really interesting and he has interesting things to say about it. And, and I, I think and Gallagher. Gallagher like, just could not like it, it's like he couldn't drop the facade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He couldn't talk as a person. I didn't know well, who, uh, who Gallagher was as a little kid, but like when you'd walk through a video store, he wasn't just a famous stand-up comedian. He was the only stand-up comedian mm-hmm. I recognized, despite not knowing anything about his material. It, he was well, everywhere. I mean, he had a shtick. He had a look. Like, mm-hmm. it was a whole mm-hmm. package sort of thing. I mean, yeah, he uh, he obviously just didn't get it. And him walking off of WTF really kind of hammered it home. Like, this dude is out of touch. Like, in a lot of ways, I think, mm. like, I, like a l- little bit losing it, I think. Yeah, yeah. probably. And it it doesn't help that it's early Mark Marin, where he's he's still bitter. He's he's still <laughs> incredibly bitter, yeah. and he's kind of in the making amends step. The the, pod, the podcast hasn't bought him multiple houses yet, and yeah, like yeah, I still yeah. got axe to grinds with all these comedians, rather than like, well, yeah, what's what was it like being the biggest comedian during a boom? And, and and not having any respect to your peers, Gallagher is the Aquaman of 1980s stand-up comedy uh, <laughs> personas. And uh, it, it, I, yeah, I, I would I love to talk hear... to Fish Mark. Uh, yeah, you talk to Fish Mark. Uh, I I just happen to learn that men are different than women, and I made 1,600 specials about it. Yeah. Then I exploded fruit and jumped on a big couch. Um, I'm not going to say that wasn't entertaining because it was. Um, if you were a very little kid, but yeah, Jesus, uh, movies, 2011, this is going to get weird because I, dude, I didn't, I don't know this at all. Uh, Sanctum with, uh, Richard Roxburgh, Reese Wakefield, Alice Parkinson, Dan Weil, Ian Grufford, never heard. No, I feel like I did hear of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this one is like the behind the scenes is more fun than the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie is pretty interesting because it's about dive cave diving and mm-hmm. getting, stuck and scary things and it's based on that actually happening of cave diving and getting stuck in scary things uh i mean the behind the scenes interesting part is like 
James Cameron threw a bunch of technology at this. Like, I love diving and scary shit. <laughs> and so, like, and it's shot in 3D. So it's like, yeah, it's fucking scary to look at. And it's pretty amazing. They're doing all this shit underwater. It's like, if the descent were underwater, I guess. Uh, but story-wise, it's just sort of, yeah, okay. <sighs> Nothing special there. Mm. It's neat to look at. And uh, neat to look at. Can you? I could say the same thing about Javier Bardem. But I don't. I've never heard of beautiful, 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 beautiful. Spanish. Yeah, this well, one is depressivo. It's an inyarito joint, so you're Ooh. damn right. It's gonna be depressing. Yeah. Oh, uh, what? Like he's he's raising his kids. He finds out he's got cancer. He's helping uh, these illegal immigrants in Spain, and then the the terrible. Th- it's just tragedies after tragedy, mm-hmm. and him trying to cope with it. And of course, his performance is amazing. And yeah, it's what is it with 2011 and movies that are fantastic, and I will never watch again ever. Yeah, because it's they're like, such a bummer. It, yeah, he's got his kids on his own. He's like kind of trying to set up a situation so that they're not left completely alone and destitute when he, you know, ends up dying of cancer, which is like imminent. Ooh, it is a very depressing, very beautiful movie. Yeah, it, it is beautiful. I mean, it's worth watching just for his performance of. Someone trying to hold it together while everything is falling apart. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. But, whew, yeah, you're going to need a hug. Hmm. And um, yep. this is what I think is weird, are our big two highlights. I was paying attention during this period. I've never heard of either of these. Hmm. Yep. And, and, but well, one sat on a shelf and then quietly got released mm-hmm. in 2011. Yeah. Uh, the the other woman is technically a 2009 film. Wow. Yeah, which made it a little bit confusing when I was trying to search for it i actually ended up getting the dvd from my library because it just ended up being the easiest way to watch it but yeah i remember i remember when this came out and i'm kind of surprised it wasn't more talked about i mean the hmm. cast seems to be a uh, laura uh, lauren ambrose ambrosia how do you say her name Ambr- i think it's ambrose. ambrose charlie tahan scott cohen lisa kudrow and natalie portman and the other woman aka love and other imp- impossible pursuits Whew. <laughs> to take an active role in your own grief. My friend Bailey's dad sells things on eBay. We should sell the baby stuff. I really don't want to talk about selling the baby's things, okay? That's what it's for. William, shut up! Will! Children aren't safe around you, Amelia. I think we've proven that. Stay away from mine. But I'm his stepmother. That's nothing. Less than nothing. Woo! I'm uncomfortable. So... Love and Other Impossible Pursuits is the name of a novel written by Islet Waldman, mm-hmm. who I love. She's married to my favorite author. You better be able Michael to come up with Michael Shabon, thank you. you. <laughs> I was like seeing the cover of Cavalier and Clay and could not think of his name. <laughs> and so and so I love both of them so much. But The Other Woman is a much better title for this film, 100%. Because did, you, did anyone watch this? No. no. Okay. <laughs> so it's the story of Natalie Portman and Scott Cohen, who is Max Medina from Gilmore Girls. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> she is the other woman. She is his second wife after they have an affair. And then he gets divorced and then she's pregnant. And then they end up losing the baby. The baby dies. And it's dealing with them being married and dealing with that grief and dealing with the anger from his first wife, who's played brilliantly by Lisa Kudrow. And it's 
like all the acting is really good. It is really sad and it's really How do they lose it, the baby? She's made she, Lisa Kudrow made it sound like it's her fault. Well, there is like a question of that in the oh. in the film cuz oh. the baby's only like a couple days old and you know it's a very can be a very precarious time. But it's not like crushingly depressing. It, it's definitely such an interesting character story of a family that is dealing with a lot of sadness and anger and and tragedy and how each family member is kind of dealing with that and what how, how how do you deal with this horrible tragic loss on top of kind of still having to adjust to having a new family structure and the anger of an ex-wife which is justified you know it's it's just a lot it's it's they cover a lot of stuff and i think they do it in a really beautiful way in a way that doesn't make you want to just like curl into a ball at the end and mm. Ellie Gorman is great in this role I mean she's she's really hitting it out of the park for sure the other woman is just such a better title because I think it you know it, it definitely refers to Natalie Portman's character because she was literally the other woman but then on the other hand too she goes through such a change of having to go through all this tragedy that you see a contrast there she was a totally other woman before she had to oh. go through this like tragedy. Ah. I, I so didn't like, even bring up that it was the the daughter could be the other woman, but the well, yeah, the, but, that's true. but the but the other title makes it sound like a cornball Kate Hudson romantic yeah. comedy, which this yeah. is, clearly exactly. is not. Exactly. Yeah. I think my only problem with the other woman is there are literally like fourteen movies yes. called the other woman yes. over time. There's one from like 2014. That came up earlier. <laughs> it, it, it came up earlier in my Google search for yeah. it. That's a, the theme of this week is really generic titles to things. Mm. Like really nothing except for uh, Oh Brother. Really everything else like <laughs> comes up with a terrible, uh, horrible to search for. Colin but, yeah. Brothers will do that. So they'll guarantee like, has anybody made a movie called Hot Sucker Proxy? Okay, we're okay. We're good. All right. <laughs> yeah. <gonna> clear. <laughs> but I really like this. I was really looking forward to watching it because I particularly really enjoy movies about infidelity just because it feels like a bruise, you know, like watching it because they oh it's so dramatic and i don't know i really i i kind of in a sick way like watching movies i, like I was just listening mm. to your perspective from someone as a stepmom you you don't have the the, yes. the whole baby thing going on but uh, right i don't have to deal with somebody else's ex on as a, on a regular basis as you have to Yep. Mm, yes, it that has been a journey for myself. And so that has been that was also definitely an aspect of this movie that I found to be very interesting and, and at times relatable, mm. not nearly as very different in a lot of ways, but there are definitely threads in there that I was like, that's my favorite kind of yeah. insight. Like, uh, you, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, Anthony Rapp is also in this, who's, yeah. uh, you know, a big Broadway guy. Who Tattletale? was going to be the original Rent. Uh, I think Tattletale is not the word you're looking for, and I'm going to give you another chance at that one. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm in a weird... I have nothing to add to this, so I'm just being uh, precocious. Leave me alone. Ah, mm. okay. Well, mm. you ever seen uh, Single White Female? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that girl, she, she killed a dude with a high heel. <laughs> yeah, uh, you want to see a shitty remake? Oh, oh, no kidding. Starring no one I've ever heard of other than Billy Zane. Yeah. I don't know. Who, who am I missing here? Uh, Billy Zane, Francis Fisher, Danelle Harris, Ali Malachalica, uh, Cam Giga Danets, which I used to subscribe to. Um, <laughs> we'll never get this guy's name right. Giga Danets. Never. That's a guy? 
Oh, Minka Kelly. I've heard of her. Uh, and Leighton Meester. Meester Leighton. Um. So here you go. You've got Cam Guijonet is a Twilight. Mm-hmm. Minka Kelly is a Friday Night Lights. And Leighton Meester is a Gossip Girl. Oh. Or like what I told you when we took a break, Go Piss Girl. Yeah. I'm, I'm slowly becoming very irrelevant to this show. But <laughs> number, one of the, number one at the box office. The well, roommate. Because it is. Oof. Meet your new roommate. I'm Rebecca. Hi, I'm Sarah. She wants to befriend you. You can borrow anything you want. Thanks. She wants to protect you. Dinner tonight? Let's go. And on February 4th, she wants... I want to show you something. ...to become you. It's just like yours. We should call someone. Tell them what? She hasn't done anything. Sarah? I'm right here. What did you do to them? I didn't do anything. You did. Rated PG-13. I, I was going to go after this one because I try to watch all the number one at the box mm-hmm. office movies. And wow, the reviews were brutal of just why? Why are you bothering? I mean, it's it, it's single white female. OK, mm-hmm. but that movie at least has the tiniest bit of subtlety. Like she unravels mm-hmm. much slower. It's a little harder for other people to notice what's going on. And this one, she's just straight up killing cats and killing friends. And, <laughs> and no one seems to notice until too uh. late. Mm. Yeah, it's on Netflix and Sam and I watched the first half hour and I actually so like very quickly into the movie a they adopt a kitten and so uh-huh. I immediately got on to does the dog die.com to see all right what's going to happen here and oh, when boy. is it going to happen and around just so you know animal death does happen in this movie about 44 minutes in at about minute 40 I was tapped out I was like this isn't good enough for me to go through that scene so we're just gonna tap out here I got a taste and it is no good yep it sucks it just sucks I don't know yeah it's it's it's, I I feel like I should have seen this but like if you like this show you never expected us to talk about this weirdo sleeper hit in like early February late January that somehow snuck in a number in the box office with not a lot of competition let us know for real we have a comment section we have feedback on facebook um on on the laser time group diana on twitter i'm curious because like i've never heard of this ever (laughs) ever ever and i I mean did you but the the roommate is such a generic title really just in one ear yeah yeah not at all and i I would always up until this point i was paying attention to the box office charts and i just don't know anything about this but it's on netflix could be wrong i was too busy maybe and on TV, watching the Sci-Fi Channel movie Mega Python versus Gatoroid, starring Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. Uh, uh, yeah, clash finally, of the, clash wow. of the mall chicks. Twenty oh. years later, the matchup. They do the weirdest fucking cast reunions. I forget which one. It's like a whole police academy reunion oh, yeah. uh, in a <laughs> Mega Shark movie. Did not see this one. SNL. Um, your host Jesse Eisenberg. Hope you like it dry and. Uh, uh, Nicki Minaj. Of uh, wow, I, I don't remember this at all. No, um, there's really not too much to note. There's a Lonely Island short in there with the John Waters cameo, which that's nice. fun. But yeah, other than that, not really much to mention. And um, I didn't know all day long Comedy Central plays their stand up showdown. Yeah. I did not know about this, and I definitely should have, but apparently it went on for a couple of years where January would be stand-up month on Comedy Central, and you yeah. could vote online. Well, I don't know why I, I didn't know about this. And so all day long, they would go through, and like the top 20 people who got votes, they would play their Comedy Central half hours. 
Um, that it's not it's nuts to see t- Comedy Central revert to a TRL format when people have no excuse not to vote. Yeah, I kind of love it though. Um, and in 2011, the top five that were voted for were number five was Brett Ernst, mm-hmm. four was John Lajoie, oh, three taco. was Doug Benson, two is Elliot Chang, and number one was Bo Burnham. I yeah. love Bo Burnham, but I'm just looking like Elliot Chang doesn't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> like what the fuck? I know. What the fuck? And he, it's kind of yeah, very strange. But I mean, on there too, we've got like Mike Kaplan and Pete Holmes and Mo Mandel and Tommy John again, Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Lots of good stuff. Cool. Don Glover. Yeah, Donald Glover, no, number nine in stand up <laughs> in spite of one stand up performance. <laughs> Which um, is excellent, by it's the really way. good. It's really good. It, I just watch his his, his, his store and I bought myself a hat. I yes, yes. And his trace talk about penises. And he just rubs his belly and like, I know exactly who you're doing. Talk about your penis, man. Jesus. Speaking of speaking mm-hmm. of penises. Uh speaking of Donald Glover, sorry. This episode is so good. And oh man, now I realize what we were yeah. gonna have to talk about. Um Yep, we it, got us a banned community episode. It's one it of is the best not available. On streaming on Netflix or Hulu, and it's my favorite one, and I am offended. It's one of the best episodes of the entire show, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Pierce, you've made your point. You can ruin anything. Now come back and give Neil his sword. I can't hear you over the sound of me rubbing his sword on my balls. Pierce, you! You have successfully rubbed your balls on the sword. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's it's such a great I don't know. Community has a lot of what would you call them? Great parody episodes where they like yeah. dig deep into what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Pierce is a is playing in this whole season is playing the part of the villain of their group. This episode is excellent. I think I saw Joel McHale recently say like I didn't even realize how good a line is. I take your sword and I wipe my ass with it. <laughs> like <laughs> that's such a great stupid line. <laughs> my favorite part of the episode is when Allison Bree's character has to go into explaining how she seduces like some farm maiden or something. <laughs> and so she starts out like very like sweetly because it's Allison Bree. And then they just play music over her just making <laughs> hand gestures and like it's like just based on her hand gestures and what she's mouthing this is like the dirtiest toe curling <laughs> shit you've ever heard in your life and then it like pans around to everyone around the table just making like one of the best funny. silent cutaways of troy flipping his paper over and starting to take notes good yeah so i mean it's it's a like they explain the setup in voiceover that Fat Neil is, seems to be really depressed and they feel bad about it. And so mm-hmm. they want to play Dungeons and Dragons with him, which they've concocted specifically to build up his self-esteem. And then, of course, Pierce shows up and ruins everything. But the reason that you can't see this online legally right now is because Chang shows up dressed as a dark elf, which mm-hmm. means he is wearing black body paint and a white wig. And they make a joke about, did you not notice that looks like blackface? It's it, He's it, not in black he's face. not like, in blackface he's the butt of the joke that he is yeah. so dumb he didn't realize that could be seen as offensive it's it but is because of that over the summer they pulled this from streaming on netflix and hulu amazon prime it's still available season two episode 14 advanced dungeons and dragons or if you don't want to rent it from them or whatever you can find it less legally online just by googling it's one of the best episodes of the show and i look i just take issue with like it is very, very much a blackface joke. 
but it is not blackface. And it's yeah. and it's an Asian character it's... cosplaying as an elf. And it looks horrifying. <laughs> um but yeah. for, for the reasons of the the joke, but like it's this should not be one of the things that was taken down. It really yeah. shouldn't be. Yeah, I I understand mm. people wanting to be cautious. Be very cautious. Put a warning on front of it, which I mean is what Mad Men did when they had an actual scene of actual blackface. They just mm-hmm. they put a text warning before that scene just to explain it in sort of the context of like, no, you see this character doing blackface. They're all aghast and horrified. He's doing this. This shows he's a bad person. I've talked to like three I black just, people in my life. And like, I, <laughs> I blackface jokes are at the like very low end of what their concerns are with modern society. And in terms of things they mm-hmm. want pulled off the air, I don't think this ep- Bill Maher somehow gets in the <laughs> the mix way earlier than the advanced Dungeons and Dragons episode of Community. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So. It was an overabundance of caution. And I'm sure one day it'll probably be back. Maybe I know. The warning, maybe not. That's fair. It's, I, it's a bummer. Yeah, I, I, I know Community's having a renaissance just by being on Netflix. And it's a bummer that people are experiencing it without this episode. And yeah, because it is really funny. It's like that's I've tried to play Dungeons and Dragons a couple times, and there's just too much dice rolling. Mm-hmm. I just I'm I just don't want to. I I just I just want to tell a fun story and go right. on an adventure with my friends. And they like cut all the boring and technical parts about like oh well this sword has plus four this, and so you roll two dice. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they take out all the math and they just make it fun mm-hmm. and. It is just, yeah, the whole episode is just so funny. Meanwhile, didn't Dan Harmon, the creative community, build a show about playing Dungeons and Dragons politically and correctly with his friends on, (laughs) which was then animated uh, later Mm. on? Sorry, I'm I'm bummed this episode can't be out. I get the reasons why. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't want to see any, yeah. I don't want to see that any more than anybody else does, but it's not really that. It just isn't. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to what is the joke and who is the butt of it? Mm-hmm. Is A Korean is a guy. Big, <laughs> a big, is a big part of, <laughs> of, you know, where do you draw the line? And yeah, I feel like that's why, uh, you know, oh brother, where art thou? No, they're they're on the side of the black guy. They're trying to free a black guy from getting lynched by the fucking clan. I think we can give them the fact that they put shoe polish on their faces for sneaking around. I, I didn't give them that. I hasten to speculate that that is why that episode is not, that movie is not streaming anywhere. Hmm. It could it's be possible. Possible mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, you're, you're coming really close to a line here, mm-hmm. but I, I personally don't think they, they cross it. Some people, maybe they do. They think so, no, anytime any white person puts, darkens their face, they're doing something offensive and that's okay. If you, only have seen Community on Netflix. Try and search this, find this episode for yourself. It's a, it's a great one if you missed it. It's like it's, it's better than the fourth every four season episode combined. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. <laughs> you should definitely see this one. Yeah, uh. I'm pretty sure this is the episode that when Sam and I first started dating, that I was like, "Hey, have you ever seen Community?" And he was like, "No." I was like, "Okay, this is the episode that I'm going to show you first to get you into it." And <laughs> he was like. Then we went back and like watched everything because he was he was on board after this I'm one. So bummed! I'm yep. so bummed to think about that. Yeah. Oh. So now you can you can find it and it's worth it. And I mean, maybe you'll watch it and and you will be offended. And okay, that's fair. I can't tell people. I what didn't to be make, by. I, I personally didn't make the connection until the joke was made because it was just like mm. this is a character who goes too serious and too deep with everything he does, mm-hmm. and he 
looks way more like an elf than he does like a caricature of something racist. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, That's true. The white hair. Yes. <laughs> it makes it somehow creepier. I don't know. It's awful to look at. So it's uh, yeah. they kick him out of the group immediately. Um, <laughs> but uh, video games of 2011, not a lot around this time. But we do have the Rock Band 2 Country Pack 2 featuring hey. maybe Travis Tritt. Maybe a Joe Diffie, R.I.P. COVID victim. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. I'm trying to name every country person I can who would be in the second country pack and who isn't Garth Brooks. Um, Brad Paisley. Brad Paisley. Paisley. We got Brad Brad Paisley Paisley. in there. Little Tim Rowell. Bionic Commando 2, uh, Bionic Commando Rearm 2 is out this week, which uh, answers the question, when you make a really good demake of something really good, and you make a sequel less than a year later, there can't be too much of a good thing. And it's sort of mm. shit the bed and no one talks about it anymore. But I mean, Rearmed was so good, but getting a, a robust sequel this close, it just it just killed it. It's very weird. Too much of a good thing can happen. And with that, just got to say thanks to all our patrons, patreon.com slash laser time, including executive producer Jason Wall. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at listeninerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. Teasing next week, something is finally going to take Home Alone's spot. <gasps> After three months at number one in the box office, Ooh. Julia Roberts is coming for it. Which film? I'm not going to tell you, but I will tell you uh, what is Steve Martin's best movies is coming to. Yeah, it's one of my favorite films of all time. I'm just, I, I don't like it at all. Absolutely. And this is how I find out? You tell me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who died during this period of 30, 2010? Uh, well, in 2011, we lost the amazingly named and amazingly amazing Tora Setana, who's 72. She's the star of Faster Pussycat. Kill, kill. Mm. And we lost composer John Barry, who did, uh, like, uh, most of the James Bond movies. Um, wow. Plus Out of Africa. Dancing with Wolves. Wow. Yep. Goddamn. Busy guy. And uh, with that out of the way, who was, who was born in this period? Bubba, my birthday! My birthday! Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo. A ding-dong doodly-doodly-ding-dong-doo. Well, after last week's debacle, <laughs> fuckers don't know who Scott Glenn is. I got a lot of messages from people. That, Thank you. They say it was not my fault. They know who Scott Glenn is. No. This is going to be like Tom Hanks or somebody like that. They just don't make up for it. I picked someone <laughs> you definitely fucking know. It's going to be my dad. <laughs> like, well. Builds birdhouses, loves mowing the lawn. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have to look far because I like getting people when they hit round numbers. So turning 40 this week, mm-hmm. born January 31st, 1981 in Memphis, where dad was a Baptist choir director. He made his TV debut on Star Search at age 10, singing Alan Jackson, and he lost. Larry the Cable Guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Gosling. No, but he's about to come up. Fast forward a bit, and he's performed at the Oscars, the Olympics, and the Super Bowl three times, including one we talked about last week. Uh, Adam Levine. Joey Fat One. No. Um, <laughs> Justin Timberlake. It is Justin Timberlake. Motherfucker, I did the NSYNC thing. I should get there first. You I did. used the joke. God damn it. Oh, you did. I'm... Now here's where Ryan Gosling comes in, because Ryan Gosling is a Canadian citizen. Yeah. When they were on Mickey Mouse Club, mm-hmm. he lived at the Timberlake house. And when they were 12, ah. they met a bet on who would kiss Jessica Simpson first. 
Oh. About 10 years later, Justin Timberlake won and then ruined the mood by immediately texting Ryan Gosling. What? <laughs> boys. Oh, boys. Oh, man. Yeah. He's won 10 Grammys, four Emmys, the youngest member of the Memphis Music Hall of Fame, an honorary doctorate from Berklee College of Music, and the first person ever punked. <laughs> Was he really? Oh, he's the great. first person ever punked where they think like his car's been stolen and yeah. he's admitted later like he was really high at the time and he starts crying and gets all paranoid. I don't know. If we ever if we ever, if we ever get there on the show, remember the show was sued because they they were pulling pretty incredible pranks on real people and had to retool the mm. whole show because they got yeah. the shit sued out of them over something like a uh, uh, real people discovering corpses of their loved ones. And oh god. Do you not do you not remember that news story? No, that's how punk okay, became well, he's famous. He's the first celebrity punk then. Yeah. I guess. they, they <laughs> oh changed God. it after that to like, okay, if we're gonna be really mean, it can only be rich and well-known people who we I do this to. I hate pranks so much. You don't. Mm. You love the Eric Andre show. You love it. I hate pranks. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, and also we've talked about him in movies: Black Snake Moan, Southland Tales, Shrek the Third, Alpha Dog, Love Guru, Yogi Bear, and The Social Network. The social and he's network. only forty. You <sighs> bastard. So am I. And he's gonna what be coming up again soon. For yep. our next sex friend movie. To talk oh, that's about. true. Right. Couple months, another sex friend movie. What if two people uh. who aren't married boink guys? We get a whole <laughs> movie out of it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Anyway, with that out of the way, um, thanks for all your, your feedback, your patronage. Um, we love you guys. It's been great to do the show this whole time. And I don't know why Diana picked this song, but I. It's one of those things that like it makes me feel about. Going into middle school every time I hear it. I love yeah, this song. Well, I, I mean, it's 30 years since Jesus Jones' big album came out. They had yeah. two okay size hits, but this was the big one. And I think it's because it like it's about like history's happening, everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like been a year and a half since the Berlin Wall came down, man. Yeah. It's like and now we're in the Gulf War. It's like a Hamilton lyric and a and a Billy Joel song rolled into the 90, 1991. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's also really catchy. It, it does. It reminds me of something positive. It's something that a song that made me think when I was too young to really think about most songs. It's historical, but it's upbeat. Yay! History is fun. Optimism. All right. Right here, right now. Close out with that. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week. 30 2010. Tell a friend. Peace. Bye. I'm the life that I waited, waited.